The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are in Kansas City, Missouri for the USMEF, the U.S. Meat Export Federation's spring meeting that gets underway later today and it runs through Friday. So we'll be bringing you more updates on things that are happening there. But it brings into Arlen Suderman joining us in person with FC Stone and Arlen as we look at these markets. You and I were just talking. There are so many factors that we're going to have to deal with. Obviously, we'll talk more about African swine fever in a little bit, but we've got prevent plant. We've got a weather forecast that isn't beautiful. We've got a deadline for the Western Corn Belt looming. And then we've got, of course, the, the assistance and help that's coming out with trade. So the grain markets are just getting hit from one direction after the other. It really is. Uh, in my nearly 60 years of uh, being involved in agriculture to one extent or another, I've never seen a year with the kind of challenges that we have this year. If you, you know, we're ready had with the trade war and then you throw in African swine fever, which is both a challenge and an opportunity depending on the commodity. And, and now these planting delays, which every year we eventually get that window of opportunity to get the crops planted. Things are so much better, as bad as they are, they're so much better in Nebraska. Uh, in Iowa than what they are in the rest of the Midwest. And uh, I talked to an agronomist uh, earlier today from Central Michigan, and he had just finished driving uh, down into Central Ohio. And uh, he said that entire way, once he got outside of his immediate area, that entire way, he saw one field they couldn't tell but they thought might be planted. And that's it. Uh, and uh, so we don't know when that window of opportunity is going to be coming, and the crop insurance deadline is rapidly approaching within a few days for western areas. Eastern areas, it's about 10 days later, uh, but the forecast through the end of the month remains wet for most of the Midwest, and, and then uh, a little bit more scattered in rains after that, but as saturated as the soils are, it doesn't take much of a shower to really keep farmers out of the field. So getting the, the last 45 million acres planted is going to be a challenge. And you talk about that, and we know that as producers have gotten their corn in the fields, I was just showing you a picture. The population, it's got some struggles there. The soils are still, ground temperature is extremely cold in some areas, definitely wet. So not a lot of germination going on. Yeah, and those cold soils don't dry as fast. So when you get a window in the past, we would have got some planting done, and now that window has to be much wider in order to dry out enough to get the the tractor on the field and and get some work done. But you bring up the the, uh, condition of the crop, the emergence, and, and, you know, we talk about late planting does dramatically increase your risks for lower than trend yields and the later it is the the greater that pressure is you can still get good yields if everything goes right after that late planting date but everything has to go right and that's assuming you have the population there if the plant's not there it doesn't yield and so plant population is going to be big the condition of the crop USDA releases its first condition ratings after 50% of the crop has emerged. We didn't even have 50% of the crop planted by this last week, and we'd normally be looking at crop condition ratings by now. So as we get into the, the month of June and start getting those crop condition ratings, then I think that's a second wake-up call for the market just to realize the scope of the problems that we're facing. 
You know, it just seems like a few weeks ago you and I were talking and weather was not that big of an issue. And you said, give it a few weeks. If we get to the middle of May, the market should start taking notice. And we're starting to see it. Yeah, and if we were to actually get a trade deal in this, then that would really amplify the need for those bushels to get produced. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like a trade deal is coming anytime soon, but the market has woke up to the problem of planning delays. Uh, many of the fund managers uh, still don't seem to grasp it. They still think, oh, the farmer's going to get it done. He always does. We hear that every day in our office. Um, more of them are starting to realize they're covering their shorts. Um, the end user realizing I don't have enough coverage the upside potential is there Uh, I'm getting calls from around the world different places of the world is this really real and uh, it really is a a significant situation this actual scope we don't know yet but the potential is there for a, a real significant shortfall that requires much higher prices in order to ration demand in the next year and a half do we see prevent plant numbers breaking records of previous years when you look 11 years ago even just a few years ago i i think that we could exceed the previous record for prevent plant in the modern era maybe by multiples uh, what exactly it'll be is hard to tell. The modern day record is 3.8 million acres for corn and uh, i think we should you know i think we can almost count on that and then it's how many multiples of that are we talking about i I could i could see us going over 10 million acre reduction in corn acres but the problem is we won't know that until the fall we probably based on the history of how usda handles these situations we probably won't see it reduce its planted acreage number to reflect that until the FSA data comes out starting in August and September. So the market really won't know how few acres out there are planted for several months yet. Do we start to see that corn versus bean discussion coming back into the market talk? We do, and and that's one of the problems that the soybean market has right now. Do the corn acres that don't get planted, do they get planted to soybeans, or do they not get planted and, and the farmer takes insurance, and, and do we even get see the rain stop in time to plant the soybean acreage as well? That's the big concern and why soybean acreage could still go either way. The bias and the odds certainly say that we'll probably see reduction in soybean acres as well. But the market really doesn't know that yet at this point. And that's why it's being much more cautious. We saw a bounce today that was more of a technical correction. But well, the rally in soybeans has not been as significant as what we've seen in corn. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to talk more about the talk that happened yesterday in regards to the assistance coming in the direction of producers and we'll jump into the livestock side as well it is the Fontenelle final bell for you on this wednesday afternoon from kansas city missouri's u.s meat export federation's spring conference is underway you're listening to the Fontenelle final bell right here on the rural radio network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network in Kansas City. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Arlen Suderman joins us. I wish people could hear the conversation we have during the commercial break because it's always intriguing and interesting. And we'll get to some of that here in just a moment. But yesterday we saw the Bloomberg story come out. We saw producers immediately go to social media asking lots of questions. Do you plant for the market or do you plant for this aid assistance that's coming their way? Yeah, and of course USDA is saying the the structure of this program is going to be built not to influence planning decisions, so plant for the market. 
And uh, we don't know the details. If USDA understands the implications of their policy for the marketplace and how that works, then that would tell me that they would have a program based on past year's acreage, past year's um, historical yields, so that this year's actions would not be influenced by that. We have to assume USDA understands those implications. You never know when it comes to a government agency whether they do or not, who's working on it, and what their experience is. So if they truly want it to not influence this year's decisions, that's what it needs to be based on past year's acreage and yields. A lot of uncertainty out there for the producers. They worry about prevent plant, worry about this money coming in and trying to figure out what their next step is going to be. Oh, there really is. Uh, There's so many different variables. Um, And and the market reaction to all this is we've had changing prices. That changes farmer decisions from one week to the next. Obviously, they can't do anything if it doesn't stop raining across much of the Midwest. So that makes the decision for them if it continues to rain. But if you get enough of a window to where you can get into the fields, but it's late, you know your odds of getting a good yield are low. Do you plant or do you take the, the prevent plant benefits or do you try to switch from corn to soybeans? A lot of those are changing almost on a daily basis with the changing markets and what's happening there and what your local options are to you, what's local basis, what's new crop uh, basis doing opportunities that vary so much by producer it's going to be a long time before this is all sorted out for the marketplace and we actually have an idea of what next year's balance sheets are going to be it's a lot easier for the markets to anticipate on soybeans because we have almost a billion bushel surplus that i argue is going to be over a billion bushels before we get done because exports are much smaller than what usda is currently saying Uh, But for corn, the margin for error is much smaller, and that's why we've seen a bigger price reaction in the corn market. It pulled back today, but uh, I think this is just a a taking-its-breath type of a move. As we switch gears and look at the livestock side, an area that's obviously continues to have its attention, though kind of been put on the back burner temporarily, has been African swine fever. And last time you and I talked, you said we needed a special musical intro for this, but it is going to continue to be an issue, and it's not something that's going away anytime soon. Yeah, and we saw an official report uh, here today that, you know, uh, predicting probably eight years before we have a vaccine. Uh, We've been told by industry people, maybe if we're lucky, two to three years, um, that that puts terror in the hearts of uh, many hog producers here in the United States. But it also emphasizes the fact that China's not going to turn this thing around quick. Most people in the market are still assuming this is a one-time blip, that by next year they're going to be rebuilding a hog herd and not going to be wanting any imports. We're hearing from Brazil's um, largest meat packing company and meat producer that they are not increasing production. That's good for the U.S. industry. The reason they're not is they don't want to get all geared up and start overproducing and then have China come back and rebound and uh, have their production and then they're overproducing in Brazil. We do face that risk in the United States, but there will be some big opportunities in the meantime as long as we can keep the disease out of our borders. It amazes me, and you and I were talking about this during the break, the number of fingers that are being touched 
by African swine fever in China. Yeah, you mentioned the the whey in the dairy industry and, and uh, the impact there. Uh, but other things, like all this meat has to be shipped to China in refrigerated freighters. There's a limited number of refrigerated freighters in the world. The number one demand for those refrigerated freighters is banana shipments. So as the, China bids those freighters away to ship pork, split carcasses, they're cutting the bacon out, their bellies out, fortunately, so we still get our bacon. Um, but that pushes the price of bananas up. Uh, heparin, I think, has 15% of the, of the world's blood thinner um, niche market. Uh, but most of it, a majority of it's made in China of pig intestines. So you start impacting that supply. So the implications go on and on and on, all the factors that are involved. Memorial Day weekend is coming up very quickly. This weather, do you see it having an adverse effect on the livestock trade? I think on grains and livestock. With three-day holiday weekend, unknowns about what's going to happen with the weather during that three-day period, um, I think is going to create a lot of volatility going into Friday's trade. Well, stick around. Of course, we will have more updates on all of that this week as we continue with the Fontenelle Final Bell. Arlen, what is the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTLFCstone.com. We're over at Twitter at twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. Thanks so much, Arlen Suderman, joining us today. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you in Kansas City, Missouri, from the U.S. Meat Export Federation. And thanks, of course, to all the Fontenelle dealers for this report on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.